The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk a little bit about analytics and marketing mix. Joining us is Mark Stuse, who is the CEO of Proof Analytics, which is a marketing analytics platform that helps CMOs and CFOs bridge the ROI gap by providing cause and effect analytics that show marketing and sales true business impact and financial worth. So far this week, Mark and I have talked about marketing, innovation, and RevOps, and yesterday we talked about tying marketing to measurable results. Today, we're going to wrap up the conversation talking about marketing mix modeling, MMM. All right, here's the last part of my conversation with Mark Stuse, the CEO of Proof Analytics. Mark, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Hey, thanks, man. Always good to have you back on the show. Excited to wrap up our conversation. All good things must come to an end, right? Well, we're not done yet. We still have some work to do here. So just for anybody that didn't listen to the podcast so far, we spent a lot of time talking about some of the changes in the marketing landscape and about how marketers can struggle to not only get access to data that is relevant in real time, but also how they're focusing on some of the wrong things, how they're not thinking about some of the broader business pictures, how big is their TAM, what percentage of it do they need to capture, and how much do they have. And often we get stuck in the marketing minutia of some of the KPIs that are down market and not necessarily really what we should be focused on. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about marketing mix modeling and some marketing attribution. So Mark, let's just start off, define marketing mix modeling for me. Marketing mix modeling is the application of multivariable regression analytics to help people understand all the factors that are swirling around in a given marketing situation and the relevant importance of different channels and their contribution to a particular outcome. It also includes not only just things that you're doing as a marketer or as a marketing team, but all the stuff that you, or at least a lot of the stuff that you don't control, right? Could be the macroeconomic picture, could be competitor action, could be all kinds of things, right? ESG data is actually really powerful data to use in a marketing mix model. ESG data. Uh, environmental, social, and governance data. Got it. This has become a very hot area. And the main reason why it became hot was that investment banks started collecting this data on the Global 2000. 
and using it to model and help them understand where a given business was going, how sustainable it was going to be, how resistant to risk and change and all this kind of stuff. And they discovered that really good independently derived ESG data was highly instructive. And so that kind of started leaking out into investor relations and then the marketers heard about it. And now it's real hot. Mark, I'm going to take it back a step and admittedly call myself a dummy here. I met my college girlfriend the night before my statistics final. I think it was stats 101 or whatever it was. So maybe I missed this part of the course, or at least I didn't answer the question correctly. You were saying you're running regressions. This sounds very mathy to me. I understand you've got all these different data sources. You need to look at what's happening in the environment, what's happening with the government, what's happening with your business. And you're taking in all of these data sources to understand using some sort of a calculation, what is happening, what's making an impact on your business. What's the regression portion of this? You know, what are you actually doing to take in all of this data and make some sense of what it makes an impact? So a regression model is the most common form of analytical math. It's what's used to examine the relationships on all kinds of stuff that undergirds the scientific method of inquiry. Whether we're talking about climate change or epidemiology, so COVID, all kinds of stuff. This is the math. Most data scientists would say that regression solves about 80% of the world's questions. The issue is not really the math. The math is extremely known. It's extremely concrete. It's not even the data. We live in an unbelievable reservoir of data. We've got data coming out of our ears these days. Right. So when a marketer tells me I don't have confidence in our data, the main reason why anyone should say that is if they're not collecting the right data, which whether they use analytics or not is a big problem. So I would say that the real issue here is, again, the context of the question that you're trying to answer. So let's use, briefly, the scientific method of inquiry. So you have a question as a scientist. You have a hypothesis about what the answer might be. If you're a marketer, that's probably what you are doing today to try and solve or answer that question. Mm -hmm. That is a hypothesis that needs to be tested. There is a model to do that. It's a known model. This isn't about doing something from scratch every time. And given the nature of the question that you're asking, the parameters based on what you know about this situation, the data sources that you're going to need are fairly self-evident. And they're also not necessarily exhaustive. We're not talking about 30 data sets. We're talking about way less than 10. Because most of the stuff, the actual contribution is extremely small. So what you see over and over again in regression analytics is there's like five things that really matter that you can make bets on for the future and essentially navigate your way down the route to value. Let's walk through a concrete real world example. I work closely with a friend who runs a lead routing company. He's the CMO of a company that helps people figure out when somebody comes at which salesperson they should give it to. And deal velocity is obviously an important variable. How do they figure out whether deal velocity is something that is the most important variable or whether it's a lead source that is the problem why they're not able to convert their leads? The biggest things that govern deal velocity those two items are not really on the list. 
It's about how does the customer feel about the vendor in two major areas, confidence and trust. Confidence is, I believe you can do what you say you can do. Your product is going to be great and you haven't overpromised. Trust is you're configuring this deal in a way that's de-risking my position as the customer a lot. And I really appreciate that. And I really understand that you're probably, even when our interests are not the same, you're going to treat me really well, care about me. Those two things are scored. There's a lot of confidence and trust data in the marketplace for pretty much anybody in the global 2000, maybe even more than that. The relationships that exist between those things, confidence and trust, and bigger and faster deals are extremely strong. So what you're essentially saying is there is a ripple effect here. My ability to generate faster deals is a function of confidence and trust. Marketing is building my confidence and trust in the marketplace in the following ways. And you just keep backing up into it, into more and more detail. So once you isolate that confidence and trust are the biggest factors in driving deal size, what's the tip for marketers to try to influence those metrics? This is where you get into both a mainly qualitative issue around how are you messaging all this? What are you doing and saying that is improving customer confidence and trust? At Honeywell Aerospace, confidence and trust were major drivers for us. So we did everything possible to communicate to our customers, and we were doing business with pretty much everybody who mattered in the aerospace business, all the reasons why they should have confidence in a brand new piece of technology and remind them of all the reasons why they trusted Honeywell. And when we started building campaigns around that and driving those messages considerably, we saw confidence and trust numbers go up quite a bit. And the relationship, not really correlation, but within a regression model, the relationship that those trust and confidence numbers had on bigger deals and faster time to close was huge. So much so that we actually got called out twice in earnings calls by the chairman of Honeywell for the contribution. So this is all real. It is non-trivial. You don't just do this in an afternoon. But if you want to succeed as a modern marketer today, given the complexity, you have to have a way of calibrating and knowing and changing, pivoting in the face of whatever you need to understand. This is the only way to do it. So Mark, when you're thinking about applying this marketing mix modeling, right? there are marketers that are at the growth stage companies and the mid-market that are starting to think about, well, I can't evaluate all of this myself. What are the resources you go to try to figure out how to put these type of modeling together? Where do you look if you're interested in taking this approach to marketing? So historically, you have approached a consultancy that specializes in this kind of stuff. The problem has been that it has been extremely expensive, been very limited in its scalability. It's been very slow. And so you don't really get the results fast enough to do anything with them. So that you're always kind of still looking in the review mirror on this whole deal. And not many mid-market companies are going to spend two and a half, three million dollars on this. So today you would go to a company like Proof Analytics, where I'm the CEO, and you would say, hey, help me out here. And we'd hook you up with a license and we'd get you onboarded. And we, if you need some help in terms of putting it all together, we have partners that can do that very cost effectively. And for way less than a couple hundred thousand dollars, 
you would have a turnkey operation that was giving you real-time analytical input. So you would become analytics-led, not data-driven. So everyone loves data-driven because it's alliterative and it rolls off the tongue. But if data is all about the past and not the future, why in the world would you want to be driven into the future by the past? That makes no sense. Analytics-led over data-driven. I think that is, well, if nothing else, great marketing. Mark, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast and telling us a little bit about marketing mix modeling, all the things that marketers need to consider and how to be more analytics-led instead of data-driven. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. That wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Mark Stoos, the CEO of Proof Analytics, for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Mark, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Mark Stoos, M-A-R-K-S-T-O-U-S-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is proofanalytics.ai. And if you'd like to hear more from Mark, you can also listen to his podcast. It's called Accelerating Value. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.